I want my best games on the best platforms covered by the best announcing teams. Period. End of story. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 57 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. Mike and Phil, thanks to TJ Reeves for subbing in for me last week. But we are back with another edition of the Announcer Schedules podcast. And this week, Phil, we got a whole bunch of things. I mean, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL news, uh, the top 50 uh, events by announcer. We're going to take a look through that. The Summer League, we've got more basketball, we've got baseball, we've got Wimbledon. It is a busy time of the year, and we know the NFL is on the horizon. So here we are back with episode number 57. Thanks to TJ for pinch hitting. Uh, I had a little scheduling conflict last week on 56, but hope you're well. Phil, how's it going? All is well. Like you said, a lot going on. You know, we say this almost every week that, hey, it's this time of the year where everyone's anxious for football and there's not much happening. Uh, I tend to disagree, you know, in the announcer world and in the – uh, carousel of different uh, transactions and, and that kind of thing and vacancies on some of these seats that we'll be talking about. Not to mention, there's all sorts of action on the air, too, you know, with with sports beyond, you know, the, the typical, you know, football, basketball, baseball. But even in that case, you know, uh, basketball has been busy this summer. So we got a lot to cover. We sure do. Don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe to our podcast feed. Last Word on Sports is where you can find all of our past shows and take a listen to some of our great interviews and great stories that we've had from past guests. And of course you could check that out on last word on sports. George Offman has tell me a story. I don't know. It drops on Tuesdays on this podcast feed. TJ Reeves has last word on sports media and that drops on Wednesdays on this podcast feed. We drop generally on Thursdays. And if you subscribe many times, we'll give you a bonus interview later on in the week. So make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe. If you're an Apple guy uh, or lady, you can give us a nice uh, five-star review or uh, give us a little mention over there. If you're Google, uh, make sure you continue to like and rate over there as well. All right, so, Phil, let's get into episode number 57, ESPN NBA. Two weeks ago, we had told everybody about the shocking news almost uh, that Jeff Van Gundy was out. So what's next for who may replace him? Yeah, so there's starting to be some discussion over what's going to happen with that number one NBA team over at ESPN. You know, for so many years, Breen, Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson, in fact, 15 straight years with that trio. Jeff Van Gundy, again, can't uh, reiterate this enough, 17 finals, and he's no longer uh, an employee of ESPN. And, you know, a couple of uh, sports journalists who you know are usually very much on top of this kind of stuff. Two of the top ones in the business, uh, Chad Finn of the Boston Globe and also Mike McCarthy of Front Office Sports, both put forward in the last couple of days, um, you know, some of the things that they were hearing. And from Chad Finn of the Boston Globe, he tweeted, "Nothing is imminent now, but hearing there's a good chance that Doc Rivers and Doris Burke." join Mike Breen on ESPN's top broadcast team next season. So if that was the case, you know, ESPN would be hiring Doc Rivers, who, you know, um, just got um, released from the 76ers. Doris Burke would be elevated to that crew, and it'd be a a three-person crew, and you would wonder what would happen to to Mark Jackson in that case, whether he'd go into a studio role or perhaps, you know, um, 
uh, do games, you know, on a on a different crew, on a on a secondary crew. And then Mike McCarthy uh, wrote a, a report that talked about J.J. Redick. Uh, zooming to the top of the list of contenders and also mentioned Richard Jefferson and McCarthy brought up an interesting point. Do does ESPN want to go with a two person booth or a three person booth in, in replacing Van Gundy? You know, and he talked about how, you know, in, in most cases, the three person booth, an anomaly in, in, in doesn't, uh, you know, typically uh, work or that's usually not the direction we go. And so it all adds up to all sorts of possibilities, whether it's a two person booth, a three person booth. Uh, the one thing we know for sure, it's going to be Mike Breen on, on, on play by play. You know, that's what goes without saying, but whether Mark Jackson's part of the equation, whether it's a two person booth with someone like, um, you know, Doris Burke or JJ Reddick, or even Doc Rivers, who has a long relationship with Mike Breen, or do you bring in a, a, a three person booth with any combination of all the names we mentioned so um really interesting to see how this shakes out and which direction espn goes and whatever direction they go that'll then create uh repercussions in terms of sort of the musical chairs of the other crews uh on the nba as well so really kind of fascinating as far as what this next move is going to be with espn and the nba yeah before we get to some of the options that could be on the table here keep in mind uh the nba uh television rights deal is up so they got to get a team in place that the nba is going to be probably giving thumbs up to as well to say hey this is going to be our team sign back with us because this is going to be out on the table and you're going to start hearing you know espn warner brothers discovery which is tnt the streaming services i'm sure they're going to try to get a package whether it be amazon prime maybe apple uh to try to get an nba night for them as well so this is a pretty important decision so you mentioned Mike Breen will be the play-by-player. What are some of the options of teams we might see? Well, I guess one option is you just stick with what you've been doing, but minus Jeff Van Gundy. So you go with a two-person crew of Breen and Mark Jackson. I actually think that's probably unlikely considering some of the you know, uh, discussion we've seen and some of the you know, I guess early reporting we've seen, but then, you know, any of those that we mentioned, you know, could be a two person booth with Mike Breen, Doris Burke and Mike Breen uh, seems like it, it could be a possibility for sure. Doris would make history as far as the, you know, the first female announcer on the NBA finals on television. She's been doing it on radio for, for a number of years and certainly has, um, you know, uh, earned her way to to this status where she's in this discussion. And we mentioned Breen and Doc Rivers perhaps as a two-person crew. But then you get into these three-person crews. And, you know, again, the the one that, that Chad Finn mentioned, Mike Breen, Doris Burke, and Doc Rivers. That's sort of a, an interesting idea. Maybe a Breen... Burke and crew. Uh, Richard Jefferson's name is is apparently in the mix as well. So you can mix and match that group of names all sorts of ways. Um, you know, it's a bit of a guessing game at this point, but it'll be fascinating uh, to see how this one shakes out. Yeah, one uh, option that I don't think I heard you mention is what about a Mike Breen, J.J. Redick, Richard Jefferson and just have a complete uh, youth movement there with a lot of new blood in the mix there. And, and the question next would be, what would happen to Mark Jackson? If he goes from the number one team working with Mike Breen, does he just kind of fade and vanish? I mean, obviously they didn't get rid of him. Did they demote him to a secondary team? You know, you know, you say demote, but does he work with a guy like Ryan Rucco on NBA? So that's another thing that because if Burke doesn't go to the number one team, let's just say the option I threw out, J.J. Reddick, let's just say it's Breen and Reddick. 
Does Jackson go to two and Burke move down? Do they pair them up at the number two? Does Burke stay at two and Jackson move down to three? There's a lot of possible movement here. Well, and there's also the studio possibility for for a Mark Jackson. Remember, Jalen Rose was part of the layoffs as well, who was part of that studio team. So maybe that's uh, where Jackson ends up. But it is kind of interesting that, you know, uh, they're they're making this big shakeup with one of the most successful booths in sports television history, uh, yet Jackson's still in the fold, but Van Gundy's gone. All right, uh, Phil, let's go to the NFL booth. We thought uh, last year the free agency was crazy. Not as big this year, but we now know one of our former guests on the show, Andrew Catalan. You can go back to our archives and listen to Andrew's journey to the NFL booth, and he's going to have a new partner. Well, we just talked about um, sort of the rarities of three-person booths. Well, it's going to be a three-person booth over on CBS with Andrew Catalan along with Tiki Barber, uh, who's been calling games for for CBS, but is going to get a uh, full schedule this year, and also Matt Ryan, who will be making his, uh, you know, network TV debut up in the booth. So three person booth there: Catalan, Ryan, and Tiki Barber. So uh, we'll see how those three uh, mesh chemistry wise. I'm I, I'm I don't know much about Matt Matt Ryan uh, as a broadcaster. Obviously, no one does, you know, because this is brand new for him. But we'll see how that all works itself out, and then we'll see what that means as far as other crews with CBS. Because uh, you know, McCarthy, uh, Tom McCarthy, who another guest of the uh, uh, podcast, you know, had been doing games with Tiki Barber. You know, not a full schedule. You know, he had, he had done you know a good handful of games every season, and then there's James Lofton, the analyst who was. Uh, Andrew Catalan's partner for for several years going, I believe. And, you know, what's going to happen there? Is he going to be paired up with a, a, another play-by-player? Uh, Devin McCourty is a name uh, worth keeping an eye on. You know, he was uh, reportedly part of this new lineup of game analysts for a handful of broadcasts. So perhaps uh, he steps into the role that uh, Tiki Barber formerly had. Um, so there's still, you know, plenty of moving parts. You know, what we do know is Nance and Romo uh, will certainly be back together. Uh, and you can count on, you know, those other top teams, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis, Kevin Harlan and Trent Green as well. Uh, but we'll wait and see. You know, I'm sure these announcements are coming pretty soon, whether it's uh, NFL or college football, as far as all the pairings, you know, heading into this uh, upcoming year. You know, Fox held their big, like, they do an off-season uh, football seminar, you know, and also sort of media day type event where, um, you know, they get all the, the, the on-air personalities and top producers and that kind of things together in one room. And so those things are happening. And so these announcements are, are right around the corner for, for all the networks and their football coverage, I'm sure. All right. Uh, obviously, Tiki Barber, uh, as you mentioned, Matt Ryan, the three-man booth, booth, I don't mind as much, but I always wonder, Phil, why when they do a three-man booth, why wouldn't one guy be an offensive player, the other guy be a defensive player, so you can get both perspectives on plays? You go with a running back and a quarterback, you're giving me two offensive perspectives. Not that they don't know and understand what they're explaining, but I always wondered why you know you get a guy like a, a defensive back, Lewis Riddick, or I really uh, enjoyed um, – oh, man, his name just blanked um, – um, uh, the guy who was with Fox, very controversial when they put him on. Uh, Takiyah Balib. Um, ah, yep. Yeah. I really enjoyed him. I thought he did a really good job giving you a perspective uh, from the secondary. You don't hear secondary guys talk about, in a league that's all passing, you know, give me the perspective of a corner or a safety. 
You know, give me that perspective. I'm hearing a quarterback and a running back in the same broadcast booth. I don't mind having a running back or a quarterback, but if you're going to have a three-man booth, how about the quarterback? What am I looking at? And then the other analyst saying, well, as a, as a defensive player, this is what I'm looking at on that play. I always wondered why the producers who put these groups together never quite thought like that. I think it's a great point, Mike, and because I think it would also add to sort of the flow of the broadcast quite a bit more where, you know, I don't I haven't been in that many three man booths, you know, as a as a statistician to really see how they they shake themselves out. I've been on a few on on the baseball side, I guess, but I'm trying to think of any on the, the football side and I don't know if I have. But you wonder The you one know, would be the Monday night football booth, which was um Greasy and Riddick were were a defensive back and a quarterback. Yeah, you know, that would be a great example. And so, you know, the idea is who talks when on a on a three-man booth. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, if you have a defensive player and an offensive player, that might help as far as that sort of flow of things. Back to this case, Catalan, Ryan, and Barber, what's interesting here is this is Ryan's debut as an analyst. And, you know, is the thinking – Let's get him in a three-man booth alongside a veteran broadcaster like Tiki Barber, who's who, who's very used to being on camera, has been around in a lot of different settings and that kind of thing. And will that help, you know, sort of, um, you know, Ryan get up to speed quicker? Or playing devil's advocate, is this more difficult for a newcomer to be in a three-man booth as as you know your first foray into yeah. broadcasting versus being in a two-person booth where you know you don't have to wonder oh am I up to talk next here or is it Tiki's turn? It's a good point. Uh, and Barber's been does some radio too with our buddy T.J. Reeves. They do some college football uh, for Compass Media. So you're doing radio, you're doing college, you're doing the NFL. I wonder how that's scheduled. Plus. He's doing Monday through Friday radio as well. So he's got a very busy schedule, uh, Tiki Barber. All right. Uh, next on our topic tree today, how about the top 50 rated sporting events by announcer? Our buddy John Lewis over at Sports Media Watch put together this information. It was a fun little exercise of which announcers called the biggest events so far in 2023. Yeah. So our, our buddy John Lewis over at Sports Media Watch, um, you know, compiled the data and put together what were the top 50 rated sporting events of 2023 so far, you know, from January 1st until, you know, uh, right where we are now, the middle of July. And so, you know, I put pen to paper and figured out, you know, how this matches up with the actual announcers and what announcers are actually calling the, the games with the highest ratings and that kind of thing, which you could kind of look at as a way to, to view their value um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, no surprise on the play-by-play side, Jim Nance, um, you know, called 10 different, 10 of the 50 uh, top-rated sporting events so far this year have been called by Jim Nance. Another 10 by Mike Breen, you know, all those NBA finals games, uh, a bunch of conference finals, some other playoff games. So the two of them, uh, that's 40% of the top 50 rated sporting events were called by either Jim Nance or Mike Breen. Uh, Kevin Burkhart, Mike Tirico, uh also include his uh, you know anchor work with Kentucky Derby, each called five. And then Joe Davis called four. And then you go on down the list, and there's a bunch of guys at three, two, one uh, events. You know, when you looked at John Lewis's list of the top 50 uh, sporting events by ratings so far this year, it's it's important to note uh, in the first half of 2023, no hockey, no Major League Baseball, no motorsports. 
Uh, so it's obviously, you know, no surprise, very NFL heavy. But, you know, we're only talking about, you know, January through the Super Bowl, the, the NFL, and then a bunch of, you know, NBA games, NCAA tournament games, that kind of thing. Um, and then when you look at the analysts, it's fascinating as well, because we just talked about Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. Jackson called 10 of the top 50 rated events, Van Gundy nine to lead all the analysts. And there's a chance that neither of them might call a, a, a top rated event, you know, this time next year, um, depending on what happens with that booth. Uh, we certainly know Jeff Van Gundy's uh, no longer with ESPN. So it was it was an interesting exercise to kind of look at it this way. Uh, we looked at the reporters as well. Lisa Salters, whether it's working on the NFL or working on the, the NBA with their lead team led the way in terms of the reporters. Tracy Wolfson uh, had nine events of the top 50 so far. So appreciate John Lewis serving up this information. And, you know, it was, it was kind of fun to go through the list and uh, see how it shook out in terms of the announcers as well. By the way, three of those announcers have been on this podcast. Uh, Steve Levy, Larry Colmas, and Andrew Catalan. Our goal for the rest of 2023 is to add some more of these guys out there. So we got to get more of you guys uh, on the pod. We've had some great interviews, some great guys so far, great stories. Uh, but we're going to try our best to add some of these names. Uh, one name that really sticks out to me uh, that made this list, Rebecca Lobo uh, on the analyst list, which tells you what? That women's sports made the top 50. That's a nice breakthrough as well. We're seeing a huge summer for the WNBA and uh, the college basketball uh, tournament. Obviously, huge numbers there, and I think that's a really nice uh, thing to see uh, on there. Uh, Rebecca Lobo made this list for the top 50 events. I'm, now, I'm surprised. Who called the women's championship game i would imagine the, that that was lobo so it's lobo was andrea okay. carter and ryan Rucco as the play-by-play announcer that's, so okay that was the team oh andrea that, carter that there was, she is she's right there with rebecca lobo i missed that so yeah there you go that team uh gets on ryan Rucco. there's his one uh that's why they're on the list they, they called that uh national championship game yeah so um yeah cool to see that 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 game um you know made the list you know it's We'll see what happens with the rest of 2023. Obviously, the NFL dominates lists like this. And when when John Lewis puts out the top 50 for the entire year uh, come December, uh, we can look at it again and we'll see. Um, you know, I'll, I'll try to do the same exercise in terms of how it shakes out for the announcers. But I'd imagine, you know, all the guys with with, uh, you know, top tier NFL assignments are going to shoot up the list even further once, you know, the entire NFL seasons included the NFL obviously just dominates the TV ratings. But, you know, this is another uh, example of just, you know, to what extent the NFL dominates it. And again, you know, it's worth the the thinking about the the events that are are not on here, you know, whether it's, you know, regular season Major League Baseball, the Major League Baseball All-Star game isn't on here. I was wondering if Wimbledon, the Wimbledon final, which we'll talk about a little later in the show, uh, would have cracked the top 50. It wouldn't have. Um, so kind of interesting, you know, just how what it takes to crack the top 50 of the top rated sporting events when the NFL dominates just so much of it. All right. Uh, let's uh, by the way, uh, reporters as well. Lisa Salters, 13, Tracy Wolfson, nine, Aaron Andrews, five, Tom Rinaldi, five, Evan Washburn, four, Melissa Stark, four, Pam Oliver, four, Holly Rose, three, Christina Pink, two. I think I saw Christina Pink doing a. NBA Summer League game the other night. That was kind of cool. Kaylee Hartung won. Laura Rutledge won. Molly Graff won. Jamie Erdahl won. And Lauren Shahadi uh, had won. Yeah, was she doing a uh, Summer League game the other night? Uh, Christina Pink? Yeah, yeah, she was. In fact, uh, 
a ton of announcers were doing some. Yeah, there was was kind of wild how many were out in Vegas. Greg Anthony was the analyst. I don't know the woman's name who was doing the play-by-play, but it was a new voice I had not recognized before. Uh, So, yeah. And you know what's interesting? I saw just on the broadcaster front, I don't know where these games were broadcast, but I did see the Sixers must have done games somewhere for their summer league teams. Matt Murphy does the G League. Um, Yeah, Matt Murphy, I believe, is his name. Does the the Sixers G League team, um, the Blue Coats, and I saw the girl Laura Rosen. She is like in their social media department. She put out a tweet saying that she got her first chance to do the analyst work. So they must have done them maybe on their website or something. The G League game. So yeah, a lot huh. of people getting an opportunity for some reps there. Yeah, you know, I was taking a look at you know because we we're tweeting out the announcer pairings and um want to thank Daniel Orensby who I gave a lot of hat tips to you know throughout this process because he was keeping an eye on especially over on NBA TV but we added them all up and in that stretch of games in in Las Vegas which were just over a week or 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 so of a of a run there that ended with the the finals the other night uh with Mark Jones on the call 42 different announcers got reps either on ESPN or NBA TV. Just an incredible number. Yeah. You know, you would think they'd assign maybe two or three crews and, you know, hey, guys, have at it, you know, split it, you know. Uh, you know, so you kind of wonder, you know, what the, the rationale is. Is this some sort of, like, postseason uh, reward of sorts? I remember, you know, when I was doing a bunch of college football way back in the day, like, you know, that would sort of be the case with a lot of the bowl games and the bowl assignments and that kind of stuff. Um, is it that? Is it just the idea of maybe getting some different crews up in, in you know, testing the waters with some different names and, and that kind of thing. Um, but the it was kind of staggering as far as how many different announcers were calling NBA Summer League action. 19 different announcers um, across ESPN's platform and 23 different announcers on NBA TV in all sorts of combinations when it comes to different, you know, analysts and, and play-by-players and that kind of thing. So um, kind of just fascinating, you know, how, how much from an announcer standpoint, uh, activity was happening over there in Las Vegas during those NBA Summer League games. Yeah, so here's the tweet from Lauren Rosen, um, who works in the Sixers in some capacity. She is a team reporter for the website, all right? So she does Sixers.com. I think she does a podcast for their website. Their website does a lot of stuff over there. But in the tweet, she said, first reps as color analyst, Matt Murphy, thanks for leading me through it. So Matt Murphy is the gentleman. He does the Blue Coats, which is their G League team. And D. Lynham generally does the games with him, and those games are on YouTube uh, on the NBA G League website. Um, I actually know the production company, BFA Sports, produces those games. So I don't know where those games were being broadcast at the Sixers uh, Summer League game, but I just happened to stumble across her uh, tweet there. Now, Matt, he has done some fill-in on the radio when Tom McGinnis goes to television when our past guests of the podcast Kate Scott had some um, football games her first year. McGinnis would go to television, and Matt Murphy would go to the radio side. So there you go, a little tangled web of stuff uh, for Summer League basketball. Now, Summer League recap, as you mentioned, ESPN, all those different names. But some of those names, Mark uh, Mark Kessischer, who's been on the show, Mark Jones, who's been on the show, uh, these are some guys that you'll hear doing playoff games. Yeah, so it ranged from guys who, you know, are, are household names, Beth Moens, you know, with with uh, a bunch of 
uh, games as well. Sean Kelly, uh, who we you know got to see on the TV side, who like Mark Kessler does a ton of ESPN radio still. Uh, Kelly also the voice of the Florida Gators now. Um, on the analyst side, you know a lot of familiar names too. We talked about JJ Redick. He did the semis in the finals along with uh, former guests of the podcast just a couple weeks ago. George Sedano, he was the reporter. But then, as you mentioned, you know there were some opportunities for some new. Uh, blood, you know, to get some experience during these NBA summer league games. Um, you know, Stephanie White, who typically does women's basketball and actually is an executive in the in the WNBA now, I believe as well. Uh, she did some analyst work for ESPN, and then over on NBA TV, you know, you got to see um, Stephanie Reddy, who is typically a reporter. Uh, do play-by-play uh, -play for a couple of the games. Also, Angel Gray, who's usually on the women's basketball side, doing some play-by-play -play as well. And then on the analyst side, you know, I hadn't uh, seen or heard much of uh, former NBA player uh, Sam Mitchell, for instance, if you remember that name, going way back to the Indiana Pacers of like the 90s. Uh, he was doing some analyst work and, um, you know, and even some fresh faces when it came to the reporter side of things. Again, a on the national level, at least, uh, you know, names like uh, Gianna Hearn and, and and so forth. So really kind of fascinating. I, I just like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, from the you know uh, management standpoint, what the what the rationale was using this many announcers out there in Vegas. Uh, we don't know, but uh, good to see a lot of people getting a lot of reps out there. How about more basketball? The big three is on CBS. This is Ice Cubes League um, and uh, some familiar names calling these games. Yeah, who would have thought, you know, the NBA Finals ends and there's just nonstop basketball throughout the summer you know, to keep all these uh, crews busy. But uh, Ed Cohen handling some of the play-by-play -play, uh, over on CBS for the Big Three. Um, folks may know him from New York Knicks uh, radio play-by-play. Uh, -play. Um, and then analysts, you know, familiar names like Jim Jackson and, and Avery Johnson as well on that Big Three on CBS. I must say, I mean, I've maybe caught two or three minutes of it, Mike. I can't say I've watched much of the big three, but it, it's interesting that it's on the big CBS channel. You know, it's on on the big network. Um, you know, so I'm sure it, it brings some sort of ratings or, or advertising clout or, or what have you. But uh, yeah, more opportunities for announcers on uh, three on three basketball. Yeah, I actually watched a little bit the one year because uh, Allen Iverson was playing in, uh, in a couple games there, so I did check in on that. Uh, also, TBT, more basketball. Yeah, TBT, the basketball tournament. This is the 10th year of this event. Um, you know, it's a pretty successful tournament that ESPN gives a, a lot of coverage across all their uh, networks. Um, a buddy of mine, Eric Collins, who I, I get to work with, uh, college football with every fall uh, he's going to be the play-by-play -play announcer for the the semis and the finals and some of the the games throughout uh, so excited to to see Eric on the call over on ESPN for TBT uh, his partner will be Fran Fraschilla for those games but once again you know because of the the scope of this tournament which is actually at a different a lot of different locations um, a bunch of different opportunities for announcers so uh we'll keep an eye on that as well and um by the way a ashley sham amadi who works with eric collins on the charlotte hornets broadcast uh as the uh reporter she's going to be the reporter for a bunch of these games as well including the semis and the finals yeah i see matt martucci who used to work with me here i actually uh worked with matt he does the saint joe's wildcats men's basketball he got a start here in atlantic city doing the atlantic city surf 
Independent League Baseball game. So uh, there you go. There's a little announcer news from the TBT. Matt Martucci, if you're listening, uh, he lives down in the area uh, from time to time. All right, let's go to baseball. Some names that you're certainly familiar with. Joe Davis, A.J. Pruszynski, uh, a lot of baseball coming up, but they had a nice call on the Dodgers-Mets game the other day. Yeah, it's interesting to document the Mets season, and in this case, it came across uh, you know national television on, on the Fox broadcast. Um, sort of an interesting you know side note here. You know, Joe Davis had the the Dodgers Mets call. We've talked about this before. You know, Joe is the voice of the Dodgers on the on the television side, and in this case, uh, you know, he had the opportunity to to call the Dodgers from the the network standpoint. And uh, yeah, he and AJ Przinsky. Um, got to call this one as you know the the Mets uh, stumbling through 2023 with the highest payroll continues. Uh, what's happening in Queens? Let's take a listen. Pop up, left side of the infield, backs up Beatty, having a hard time tracking it. Oh! As soon as this ball went up, there was trouble. Beatty circling it. Lindor's got to almost go get that ball, call him off. And then it bounces up. That insult to injury. Bounce up, hit him in the face, it looked like. Oh, right in the face. The 2023 Mets. Oh. <laughs> Joe Davis, A.J. Persinski, the 2023 Mets. He says, what a disaster. They've been a disaster. It kind of warms my heart. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, um, the Mets broadcast team of uh, Gary Cohen and Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling have had some moments, you know, documenting this season as well. You know, uh, A.J. Pruszynski, this was a big opportunity for him getting the number one uh Fox MLB game this past Saturday night, that Dodgers-Mets game with Joe Davis. Reason why John Smoltz was out in Lake Tahoe at that celebrity golf tournament. So uh, Pruszynski got the, the bump up due to Smoltz uh, playing golf out, out in the mountains. A couple Apple TV games on Friday, an early game, a little 2.20 Eastern time for that Cardinals-Cubs game, and Apple's jumping on that one. Kind of an interesting pick. Yeah, you got to love daytime games at, at Wrigley Park and uh, Alex Wrigley Faust. Field. Don't let the Cubs fans come after you with that one. There. Oh, did I say Wrigley Park? Holy you did. smokes! You did. Um, I wanted to say we're we're taping a little earlier, Mike, than I than I'm used to. <laughs> so still getting some cobwebs out from from uh, from the the sleep last night. But uh, yeah, um, Wrigley Field, Alex Faust. You know, daytime at Wrigley Field, the, the way it was kind of meant to be. If you go back to those you know WGN uh, games way back when, and uh, you know Alex Faust continues to get you know these assignments on Friday nights, as does Wayne Rendazzo, who uh, we've talked talked about before is having a heck of a season as the angels voice what a year to come on as the as the voice of the angels with all the um you know highlights over there in, in anaheim but uh he and his crew will have uh, padres tigers later in the night on friday night on apple tv plus yes uh wrigley field by the way phillies played the first night game ever at wrigley field and it uh was rain shortened the game got rained out phil bradley uh, I believe was the first batter. He was the Phillies left fielder at the time. And uh yeah, that was the first game there. Phillies Cubs 1988 game was rained out after three and a half innings. So unofficially the Phillies were the first game there. First game was the Mets actually uh the next day. So uh, there you go. Uh, no no uh 
uh, lights for all those years. 1988 was when they finally put lights in at Wrigley Field. Uh, you got a lot of baseball this weekend. Uh, ESPN Radio. You got the Mets and Red Sox. That's our buddy Sean Kelly and Doug Glanville. I have to get Doug on the podcast. I know Doug pretty well. Love to get Doug on the podcast here. Uh, Braves, Brewers, White Sox, Twins. And then Sunday, you got the Peacock game. Uh, Padres, Tigers. And then the Mets, Red Sox are on Sunday Night Baseball. And then ESPN Radio. Doug Glanville's the analyst there with Book Shiambi. Yeah, and uh, Glanville was actually on with uh, George Offman uh, this week, too. So encourage listeners to, to check him out, you know, with his uh, Chicago ties there. And, yeah, we're getting into the, you know, the heart of, of baseball season. You know, you feel like there's a little bit of momentum coming off the, the all-star break. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to, you know, watch the action. Hey, more, more Mets on national TV uh, this weekend. So uh, we'll see if they pr- provide any more folly for the announcers. Now, for the people listening, you can't see us, but Phil can see me. I have a University of Penn T-shirt on right now, which is the alma mater of Doug Glanville. There you go. Doug Glanville, by the way, played for the Phillies and the Cubs, so he does have some Chicago ties, but that's how I know Doug. He played for the Phillies. He's been on my radio show many times. He played baseball at University of Penn. Great guy to talk uh, baseball with, but also uh, about his journey to the booth. Pretty cool guy. So we'll have to try to get Doug on here. If you missed him on George Offman, tell me a story I don't know. It's on this podcast feed, Last Word on Sports. Check that out. How about Wimbledon? It takes over your TV for two weeks, but the the final for the women and the men, uh, Saturday and Sunday, two epic events. Yeah, outstanding events. So, you know, the women's final, uh, Chris Fowler on the play-by-play, uh, Chrissy Everett on the uh, work as the analyst with that, you know, underdog first-time winner there. And then, you know, just a classic matchup, uh, Djokovic versus Alcaraz on Sunday. This baby lasted four hours and 42 minutes, third longest final in Wimbledon history. Uh, so just a hat tip to the crew, um, you know, not just the announcers, but the production crew for, you know, their effort. That's a, that's a long event. Event, you know, by any, um, you know, uh, measure, you know, as far as keeping the, the intensity and the action going and bringing all the, the the pictures and the sounds to the folks. But Chris Fowler, John McEnroe and Patrick McEnroe, the three person booth for the men's final. We talked a little bit on the, the show last week when I was on with TJ about the bunker where the broadcasts take place from at center court at Wimbledon and how tight those quarters are. It's tight with two announcers and a uh, researcher typically, but when you put in three in there, granted two of them are brothers and have probably been used to sitting close to each (laughs) other throughout their whole life. But Fowler had a funny point when he was taking viewers through the bunker a couple years ago on social media, he said, hygiene is at a premium as well when you're in those tight of quarters. So, uh, hey, hats off to Fowler and the McEnroe brothers. Another great broadcast on Sunday. From the bunkers to the towers over at the Open Championship, NBC presents this weekend on uh, NBC USA Network and Peacock. It'll be Mike Tirico, your host, and then a plethora of voices you will hear throughout the 151st Open. Yeah, so you'll you'll hear names like, you know, Dan Hicks, who we've talked about, uh, you know, he was handling a, a bunch of the, the tennis for NBC earlier this year, including the, the French Open. He'll be on the play-by-play along with uh, Tariko when he's not uh, doing the hosting duties. Terry Gannon, who we, we talked about uh, when we were talking about Jim Valvano last week, uh, he'll be on the call as well. But kind of the big news as far as this broadcast and the broadcast team is Nick Faldo making a return 
you know, of course, he uh, retired, you know, from broadcasting last year, but uh, he's kind of doing a one off here um, with the Open Championship, you know, uh, back in, um, you know, the United Kingdom. So uh, it'll be interesting to see Faldo back in the mix. He's not going to be like the the primary guy uh, from what I've read. You know, Paul Azinger is in that role, uh, but he's going to be sliding in from from time to time throughout the broadcast. And, you know, maybe, you know, it's tough, you know, maybe retirement, he just got kind of antsy and he wanted to get back after it and, and do, do another event. But uh, always interesting to watch the Open Championship and, you know, how that all breaks down. And then one last note, uh, Trey Wingo, who's a name, you know, I hadn't seen come across the the, the wire for, for quite some time and, and all the comings and goings of, of analysts. Uh, he's going to be hosting a uh, um, pretty big production, the Open Championship All Access uh, coverage over on Peacock, uh, sort of like a um, whip around type deal, uh, so Sunday ticket type uh, uh, effect uh, that they're, I think, trying to, you know, uh, use over there on the Peacock uh channel so um you know cool to see trey wingo with an opportunity uh, i know there's a lot of fans of trey as far as all his work over the years you know with espn and so forth so uh yeah open championship this weekend and you know i'm one of those uh, sports fans who enjoys kind of sports at the odd hours and uh you know g- whenever golf's overseas that that um helps in that cause so uh hope fans are able to to check some of that and enjoy that this weekend yeah i was gonna say the night owls you can uh, watch live action 1 30 to 4 a.m on peacock on thursday and friday 4 a.m to three o'clock on the USA Network on Thursday and Friday, from 5 to 7 a.m. on the USA Network on Saturday, from 4 to 7 a.m. on USA Network on Sunday for the finals, and then it moves over to uh, excuse me to NBC and Peacock from 7 a.m. to the final um, on Saturday and Sunday. So, yes, early mornings and overnights with the live coverage of this year's Open Championship. Uh, let's go to... The World Cup. The Women's World Cup begins this Thursday. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be huge. The Fox announcers, the FIFA Women's World Cup. We actually spoke to one of those announcers recently on the Announcer Schedules podcast. That was Kate Scott. You can go back and listen to that interview and hear how elated she was to be selected for this. Uh, but this, they're going to roll out the red carpet here. Yeah, huge production over there in Australia and New Zealand. Uh 64 matches, all of them will be on Fox Sports with 29 of them on the Big Fox, uh, you know, the others all on FS1. And uh, yeah, they brought um, all sorts of crews, all sorts of resources, all sorts of talent over there to Australia and New Zealand. Um, it kicks off very, very early Thursday morning. So we, we talked about sporting events at odd hours. Uh, you know, Women's World Cup coming from Australia and New Zealand uh, very much takes the cake. But, you know, the big one to, that a lot of people will be tuning into, of course, uh, will be on Friday night, which will be the U.S. women's national team's debut. Uh, they're playing Vietnam on Friday night. Uh, July the 21st is coming Friday, uh, 9 p.m., uh, that'll be on Fox. Uh, JP Della Camara, um, who we've talked about before, he'll be handling play-by-play. Allie Wagner uh, is the analyst. Jenny Taft, uh, her role for this Women's World Cup is as the U.S. Women's National Team insider. So the, the vast majority of her reporting, including game reporting, 
will be focused on the U.S. women's national team. And then Tom Rinaldi will be on the case. No surprise there. You know, he, he's like a magnet to, to events like this. But all sorts of games, all sorts of hours of the day, um, you know, all sorts of announcers to, to keep an eye on. Also, uh, Chris Felica, uh, part of this crew as well. Rob Stone as the studio host. So uh, hope folks are able to, to take in uh, some of the Women's World Cup. You know, a big event that happens, obviously, just – once every four years. Yes, it's uh, launching on Thursday. So, of course, uh, the Women's World Cup will be a big part of the Fox lineup for the next couple of weeks here. Uh, Tour de France is uh, having its final stage on Sunday. Yeah, one of my personal favorites, Phil Liggett, uh, universally known as the voice of cycling. This will be his 51st Tour de France. And, uh, yeah, they they come down the stretch on Sunday um, you know, around the Arc de Triomphe and uh, this this uh, incredible event will conclude. Um, I've talked about it before, but if you haven't gotten the chance to watch the Tour de France on uh, television anytime lately, uh, be sure to uh, try to check it out just from a production standpoint. Unbelievable what they're able to pull off between helicopters, between vehicles, uh, going through the, you know, the French Alps and, you know, uh, from place to place, uh, keeping up with these cyclists, documenting it all, uh, chronicling the crashes when they happen, which are absolutely, you know, uh, dramatic and that kind of thing. And then just the overall atmosphere of the Tour de France. But it'll conclude this weekend. Um, and again, if you're a night, if you're an insomniac, this is a good time of year to be watching sports between the Women's World Cup, uh, the Open Championship this weekend and the Tour de France. There's there's action on in the middle of the night, super early in the morning throughout this weekend. So there you go. All right. Uh, before we close things out, uh, it's that time of the year again with the uh, V Foundation, Jimmy V. And of course, uh, a lot of support there from uh, all the networks. ESPN uh, does their Jimmy V day on the radio. I know that. And uh, obviously uh, support the V Foundation as we close things out today. Yeah, we talked about this a bunch last week with TJ. Uh, you know, they, the ESPYs was last week. It was the anniversary of the speech, you know, that obviously um, folks uh, continue to remember today and the V Foundation, you know, its launch, Jim Valvano, along with ESPN, there was an outstanding documentary of folks get the chance to see it called The Speech uh, that ESPN put together that really told the story. But what I was able to uncover last week, and I, I talked about it with TJ, was what a lot of people don't realize, Mike, is that Jim Valvano broadcast a game after the speech. You know, everyone knows the speech as this, you know, obviously incredibly dramatic moment is being helped off the stage and, and all these things by by Dickie V and Coach K and all that. Well, just three days later, you know, he was back in, um, you know, the Raleigh-Durham area, where, by the way, he was getting his treatment at, you know, Duke Medical Center. And he called a game, Duke at North Carolina, which ended up being his last broadcast, Jim Valvano as you know, the charismatic analyst alongside Brent Musburger. This was a Duke-North Carolina game in, in Chapel Hill. North Carolina actually ran away with the win, 83-68. And Valvano, at the end of the game, like kind of kidded about how um, – he, he gave sort of a jab at Duke and like, hey, I'm, I'm relying on these doctors at the at the Duke Medical Center, you know, and yet, you know, UNC blows out uh, Duke in, in this one. So it was kind of, you know, fun to see, you know, just his levity and his, you know, sort of 
just energy and perspective, you know, despite, you know, obviously, you know, facing this, you know, in- incredible illness. And then, you know, the, the rest is history as far as the V Foundation and all that it's helped over the years as far as, you know, the, the incredible amount of money raised for cancer research and then making folks, um, you know, lives that much better uh, in, in so many cases, success stories, you know, throughout the years and that kind of thing. But, you know, we were able to dig up the clip of, um, you know, actually the open of Brent Musburger and Jim Valvano uh, from Chapel Hill in that last broadcast for Jim Valvano uh, three days after the speech on ABC. Yeah, before we get to that clip, don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Announcer scheduled episode 57 uh, is in the books. And real quick, a quick note before we get to that. Uh, I did hear a report from Andrew Marshan. Uh, Scott Van Pelt and Laura Rutledge, they are the two favorites to take over the Monday countdown for Susie Colber over there. And Andrew Marshan mentioned on his podcast, uh, Marshan and Oran podcast, that he thinks that Van Pelt is the clear favorite to get that job. So we could see a new uh, analyst there, or excuse me, a studio host, uh, Scott Van Pelt, could be taking over that Susie Colber role uh, as the Monday uh, night football uh, NFL uh, Monday countdown host. Um, for uh, the upcoming season. Obviously, uh, Susie Colbert had held that with Steve Young was the analyst, so we'll see who they end up putting in that analyst chair as well. Okay, for Phil, I'm Mike. This has been episode 57. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Go over to the last word on sports podcast feed. George Hoffman, tell me a story I don't know. His guest this week, Doug Glanville. Uh, TJ Reeves, last word on sports media uh, with all the ratings and news and notes around that world. And then, of course, the announcer schedules podcast. We leave you this week, as Phil mentioned, uh, three days after the speech. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week with episode 58 here on the announcer schedules podcast. are sitting on number one in a top seed in the NCAA tournament. But consider, if Duke sweeps the regular season with an upset win and then goes on to capture the ACC tournament, well, Jim Valvano, who knows, maybe the Blue Devils will wind up at a top seed. Hey, friend, who cares, right? This is a neighborhood brawl. They're not thinking about the coach speak. Forget about what the players say. This game is about two schools eight miles apart that compete in everything. Who has a better medical school? Who has a better business school? Who has a better school of journalism? Who has a better basketball team? And have I mentioned, they're only eight miles apart. <laughs> you know, Jimmy, this is the toughest ticket in North Carolina. In fact, it is harder to get a ticket for this game here today than at any time since the building opened. They're selling outside at a scalper's price of two hundred dollars a copy what's so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co